I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles with me this evening to the book of Psalm. The book of Psalms, and we'll look at Psalm 107. Psalm 107, and very thankful for the opportunity to speak this evening, and thankful for uh, Pastor Moreland giving me this chance. And I pray and I ask and, and hope that tonight would be a blessing to you. We've been, we've been looking at this psalm at Camp Victory. In fact, uh, Psalm 107, verses 23 and 24 are where Camp Victory this year, we've drawn the theme. We ha- have a, an ocean theme, a, um, a ship's theme, I guess. I, it's not super oceany, like lots of, lots of fishing things, but more about ships and sailors and things like that. And uh, uh, let's just read Psalm 20, uh, 107, verses 23 and 24. The Scriptures read, this, this is the theme for camp. They that go ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. And uh, very powerful to consider the, the wonders of the Lord in the deep and to see those works of the Lord. And uh, as I was reading this passage, I realized that there was um, a lot more to Psalm 107 than just these Two verses, and in fact, these two verses are just a piece of the whole. And um, and so this evening, I'd like to to kind of try to just this evening see the the greater theme of Psalm 107. And uh, the greater theme of Psalm 107 is really found in verse number one, and then again in verse number 43, it says that number one says, "Oh, give thanks unto the Lord." For He is good. For His mercy endureth forever. And then verse number 43 says this, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Now those verses, as you read them at first, might not seem to to make too much sense together, but... uh, I'd like to point something out there. In, in verse number 1, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good for His mercy. And in my Bible, I've underlined that word, His mercy endureth forever. And then in verse number 43, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness. And then I have that word, the loving kindness underlined of the Lord. See, what need to understand here is that that word mercy and the word loving kindness in the original text is actually the same word. I would try to pronounce it for you, but I'll probably butcher it, but I'm going to try anyways. I believe it's pronounced chesed. Chesed. I don't know if that's perfect. If you're a Hebrew scholar, somebody gave me a thumbs up, so we'll take that as true. The loving kindness and the mercy there are actually the same word. In fact, those two verses are not the only verses in this passage that have that word in it. Verse number six or verse number eight also says it. And uh, verse number eight says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Verse number 15, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Verse number 21, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. And verse number 31, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. For His goodness. See, the theme of Psalm 107 is that word, chesed, 
which really is the goodness of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord. The word could be translated, as you see here, as mercy or loving kindness, as goodness, as kindness or faithfulness. It's a, it's a word that expresses with it simply how beautiful and great our Lord is. In fact, it almost seems to be a word that carries with it a multitude of attributes of God. It carries with it His graciousness, His patience. It carries with it His faithfulness and His mercy. It's a word that just truly speaks of the splendor of God. And I think it's beautiful how we see it here translated as goodness. We think of the word good, and even as a child, you know the difference between good and bad. You know, you, you, your mother told you as a child that you would encourage you to be a good little boy or a good little boy, good little girl or a good little boy. Encouraged you not to be bad. And, and how interesting is it here that we understand that our God is good. We serve a good God. Now, many people don't want to paint God out to be a good God. In fact, many Christians don't like to think of God as too good, fearful that, that people will be saved, fearful that, that God would work in their lives or something, and I don't understand it, but many people are very happy to misconstrue the goodness of God. If, you, uh, if you've been to the open air with us before, and you've, you've been maybe on the box yourself, or you've You've seen somebody out there preaching. You, you're, you're very familiar with this, that, that the, the general understanding of, of the God of the Scriptures in the public sphere is, is definitely that God is a hateful God. That He's a wrathful God. That He's a, a self-exalting God. Many people want to, to talk of the God of the Scriptures and talk of Him as a, as a woman-hating God or a, or a, or, a, or a gay and lesbian hating God. They want to condemn God for being uh, hateful and cruel and unkind. And it's very interesting. Often when you go to the open air, you find people who are scholars in the most obscure passages of Scripture, pulling out some sort of passage of Scripture that no reader of the Bible ever would seem to come to a, on, on a very quickly of their own understanding. But but somehow these random people who, who rarely ever read the Scriptures know this one passage tucked away in, in two kings and, and it seems to undo the entirety of Scripture for them. It's because to them, God has been portrayed by an obscure passage of Scripture that has been misinterpreted and then miscommunicated to them that we serve some sort of God that wants to take advantage of people that wants to use people for His own gain and for His own glory. But can I tell you something this evening? As you read the Scriptures, and if you read them truly and honestly, you won't find a God who wants to take advantage of people. You'll find a God who is good. Who is loving. Who is meek and lowly. Who looks upon the multitudes with compassion. You'll find a God who is patient and even patiently waiting now as, as we are on this earth, and He is coming again. And He's patiently waiting for, for the souls of men and women, of, of children, of, of boys and girls, waiting and being patient that they would come to Him. Because He's a loving God. A God who sent His only begotten Son 
to be the Savior of the world, to, to bleed and die in our place. That's the kind of God we serve. He's a good God. He's a good God. And so Psalm 107, the psalmist writes, really call you and to call me to recognize our goodness. To recognize that, that He is he's not a, a bad, a wicked, or a sinful God. He is a good God. And as you read Psalm 107, you see this call multiple times. Verse number 8, verse number 15, verse number 21, and verse number 31. As the psalmist says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His for His wonderful works to the children of men. I wonder this evening, would you praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men? This is what He desires. And, and, and would you know it? Verse number 43 says that whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness, the goodness of the Lord. As you read this passage of Scripture, you'll notice that there are four examples that the Lord gives, and, and honestly, probably many more that we could, we could pull out of here. But there's four major uh, fragments, if you will, in this passage that are divided by these verses, verses 8, verses 15, verses 21, and verse 31, where we see a, a really a, a trifold pattern here, uh, a tri, three steps that happen uh, again and again, we first of all, we see that man has a problem, which, which is no surprise to us as we look throughout the pages of history and as we look throughout our, our own current um, time in history, man is filled with problems. In fact, there, there seems to be one thing that we're, we're good at, and that's messing up the things of God. And that's a, a devilish gift that we've inherited from our father, uh, the father of lies, Satan, as we're born into sin nature, that we're very good at destroying things. We're very good at causing problems. We're very good at finding issues. And so, the problem of man. But then secondly, you see that man realizes his problem, and so then we see the cry of man. Man cries out to God. Four times this happens. And then thirdly, you see the goodness of the Lord manifested. And so the psalmist gives these examples to draw our attention to God's goodness that we would praise Him. Notice the first example there. Starting in, in verse, number, verse number 2, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the land, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul. The problem right there. You'll notice the problem. Simple provision. I think it's interesting. Uh, the, the Scriptures speak about our provisions having raiment and having food and, and therewith to be content. But here the problem that, that is, is expressed here is, is simply that these people, number one, they don't have somewhere to stay. And number two, they don't have anything to eat. 
or drink. It's, it's interesting. They, the, the most simple provision of God, the things that the tell us that, that speaks of the lily of the fields and how they, they neither toil or spin, let their clothe, or, or the birds of air, how they don't labor, yet they're fed. And yet, here it seems that man has left wanting. Really, no doubt, the picture of the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. And, and isn't that true as they complained that they didn't have anything to eat, they didn't have anything to drink? They complained because they were wandering. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way and they found no city to dwell in, hungering and thirsting. And then it says this, their soul fainted in them. There's a progression there. They, they were wandering and then they got a little worse. They were hungering and they were thirsting. And then finally it tells us that their soul fainted in them. It seems like they came to the end of themselves. They didn't know where to turn. Broken, hungry, Nowhere to turn. And then it tells us this, verse number 6, then they cried unto the Lord. Then they cried unto the Lord. Now this is, this is going to repeat itself in verse 13, verse 19, and verse number 28. But it's interesting that when they were broken, when they were fainting, when they were at their wit's end, then they cried unto God. Why is it? Now we hear this every so often. Why is it that we wait until we're empty-handed and we've got nothing left and we've got nowhere to turn? Why is it that then we turn to the Lord? And it's interesting, as you read this passage, what does God do? Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and the Lord them. He rejected them. He was wrathful. He was wicked. He, he cast them into the prison. He cast them into the pits. No. No. What did God do? Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and He delivered them. Why? Why did God deliver them? I'll tell you why. Because He is a good God. Because He is a good God. He delivered them. Out of their distresses. Notice what it says. And He led them forth by the right way. When, when they turned to God, He led them in the right way. That they might go to a city of habitation. They didn't have anywhere to stay. They were wandering. But when they turned to God, God put them in the right direction. Verse number 9. And He satisfies the longest soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. They were hungering and they were thirsting. Guess what? The Lord satisfies. The Lord fills. The Lord gives them a place to stay. Why? Because He is good. He's good. That's the first example. They were wandering, hungering, thirsting, fainting. But God is good. Secondly, notice in verse number, verse number 10. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. Why? Verse number 11. Because they rebelled against the words of God. Now, I guess if we could, we could try to find a cause for, for, for the first set. Why were they hungering? Why were they thirsting? Why were they wandering? Maybe it's there in verse number 2. Because of the hand of the enemy. Because Satan desired to destroy. The, Satan has always desired to destroy. That's, that's what he's good at. He's good at taking man 
kind soul and, and ripping it to shreds. But notice in verse number 9 or verse number 10 and verse, verse number 11, they're bound, they're in darkness, they're in the shadow of death. Why? It wasn't because Satan was ripping them to shreds. It tells us that they rebelled against the words of God. Why were they imprisoned? Why were they bound? Why were they in darkness? Because they were living a life of rebellion. Scriptures tell us that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. They rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, He brought down their hearts with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Their own rebellion, their own turning and forsaking of the words of God and the works of God, no doubt, the counsel of the Most High, seeking their own way, And He brings them down, laboring, falling down. And the Scriptures say there is none to help. And what did they do? Again, at their wit's end. Verse number 13, then. Again, once once it seemed like everything was already done for, then they cried into the Lord in their trouble. And guess what? Because they caught at this time, this time God forsakes them, right? No. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death. See, they were in the darkness. They were sitting in it. They were in the shadow of death. But God brings them out and breaks their bands in sunder. Verse number 16, He hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. God liberates them. He frees them. He breaks free the captives of their own rebellion, of their own wickedness, and God sets them free. Why? Why would God do this? Because He is a good God. He's good. Third example. Wandering, hungering, thirsting, fasting, fainting, now bound in affliction because of their own rebellion. What's the third example? Verse He calls them fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities they are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat and they draw near unto the gates of death. Another example. Now now the Scripture is calling them fools because of their own transgressions, because of their own sins, because of their own iniquities, because of the lifestyles they were living, the way they were acting, the, the, the people they were choosing to marry and the, the things they were choosing to partake in. They were wicked. They were liars. They were crooks. They were thieves. And they find themselves low, drawing near the gates of death. But then we read verse number 19. The Scriptures say that they cry unto the Lord in the trouble. And guess what? God saveth them out of their distresses. He sent His Word, healed them. He delivered them. Sacrifices the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. Why is God doing this? Why? That's getting very clear, isn't it? God. God. He is good. He is loving. He is patient. He's kind. He's gracious. And He cares for the souls of man. And when mankind gets on their knees and cries out to God, guess what? 
God hears and responds. One fourth one. This one is the one where we find the the passage of Scripture for, for camp this week. Verse number 23, They that go down to the seas in ships, that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. These are the people who are, who are going. They're, they're launching out. And they're able to see the works of the Lord. But as they're out there in the works of the Lord, seeing the wonders of the deep, verse number 25, for He commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits end. How interesting is this? We've seen where it seems that Satan has caused the problem. We've seen where man's rebellion and man's sinfulness has caused the problem, the issue here. But now we see a passage where these people seem to be going for the Lord. These same people are going out into the deep. Yet the Scriptures tell us that He, God, commandeth and raises the storm. He lifteth the waves. The, the waves are mounting up to the heavens and they're, they're crashing down into the depths. And the people's soul is melted. How interesting is it? It's, it's one thing when you and I face struggles. We face hardships because of our own sinfulness. Because of our own wickedness. We, we are chained and we're bound and, and we're at our wit's end because of our own wickedness. But here, here's, a, here's a couple of people who, who seem to be at their wit's end. Why? Because God brought a storm into their life. Let us be caught here. And, and the book of Job tells us of this. Uh, why, why do the righteous suffer? Why do uh, hard things and, and problems come into our lives? And, and we will not know all the, the answers to this. We do not know all the mysteries, whether it's the chastening hand or whether it's like the, the boy who is sick and his parents and the, the disciples ask, is it because of his parents' sin or is it because of his sin? And, and God said no. Jesus Christ said no, but that the works of God might be manifest in him. That, that mankind would see that God is at work. I don't know where all of the struggles and trials of our life come from. But at the end of it all, the answer is there in verse number 18 again. Verse number 28 again, I'm sorry. They cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And guess what? The fourth time, the fourth example... He bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then they are glad because of their because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Can I tell you something this evening? God is good. God is good. He's not just he's not just good. He's really good. He's a God who cares for the souls of man. A God who sent His Son in, in love and in compassion that His Son would come and say these words that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And, and no doubt God is seeking tonight lost souls. 
And, and, and maybe you're in this passage tonight and you see yourself on the ships, on the, on the seas, and, and you're tossed to and fro amidst the storm. Maybe you feel like you're bound still in the, the, the shadow of death and the, and the bands of darkness. Maybe you feel like your own transgression, your own iniquities are, are bringing you to the gates of death. Maybe you feel tonight that you have nowhere to turn, nowhere to look, nowhere to go. Can I tell you something? Cry unto God. Seek His face because He will deliver you. He will save you. He will lift you up. He will heal you. He will liberate you. He is a God who is good, a God who is loving, a God who is kind, and a God who cares for your soul tonight. He cares for you. And He desires to use you. He loves you. I believe that with all my heart. That God Almighty loves you. And so that brings us then to the really the last thing that I want to point out this evening in this passage. And it is the repeated verse, the theme of this, this chapter. Verse number 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works for the children of men. I wonder this evening, has God wrought a good work in your life? Has God shown you His goodness in your life? Maybe He's, maybe he's delivered you from, from heartbreak of some kind. Maybe if you're here tonight and you're and then He's delivered you from eternal damnation, from eternal judgment, from that separation from God. He has reached down in grace and in mercy and plucked you out of the fire. Then, then if you are here tonight and that is you, then the prayer of the psalm, the petition of the psalm, is that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. See, it's not good enough it's not enough for you and me simply to say, yeah, you're right, God is good. He's done good things. In fact, I've got all the, the goodness of the Lord right here and I keep it in pocket and I, I get to experience all the great blessings of God. I get to experience His justification, His sanctification, His mercy, His redemption. I get to experience all of it, but I never share it with someone else. I never exalt His name. I never praise Him. I never lift Him up. See, the reality is, is you and I are created as beings that would praise and exalt God. And if you don't like that, then you're not going to enjoy heaven because we're going to spend a lot of our time worshiping the King. Singing, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. I wonder, do you praise God for His goodness? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. Oh, that men, that's mankind, that's men and women and, and boys and girls and older men and older women, that we would praise the Lord for His goodness, for who He is. That's, that's, that's His character, His goodness. But then it also says this, for His wonderful works. Not only should we praise Him for who He is, but we should praise Him for what He does. And God is at work. God is at work. And you guys know that. 
You've seen it. You're a part of it. I don't know if this is the greatest and biggest work that He's doing across this world, but I can guarantee you that if you, if you stay around long enough and, and seek the Lord long enough, you Him work. Because He's at work. He's not forsaken us. He's not forgotten about us. He's not allowing this world to just spiral off into destruction. He is at work and He's actively pursuing mankind right now. His Spirit is, in, and is on the move. His Son's blood is still remitting sins. He is at work. And you and I have the great opportunity. No, we have the great responsibility to praise Him for His goodness. If you're here tonight, And you can see the goodness of God. You can experience it. You've known it. Maybe in your life you can look back right now and and consider times where God has been gracious. Then you have the responsibility to praise Him. Can I tell you why? Because there are people here tonight that are really, really struggling to see the goodness of the Lord. There are people here tonight who are going through the hardest things that they've ever faced. And it's really, really hard for them right now to see how good God is. And so you and I, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who have passed from life unto death, who have seen the God work in financial situations, who have seen God work in the breakups of home, who have seen God work when we are at our wit's end, you and I have the responsibility to lift up the God of Almighty and to praise Him and to exalt Him to those who can't see it right now. Maybe those people are lost. Maybe they have never seen the salvation and the blood of Jesus Christ. Then you and I must praise Him and exalt Him and lift up His name before their faces. Maybe they are born again, but they're going through things that you and I don't understand. But we still have the responsibility of praising His name for His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. God deserves our worship. God deserves our praise. And can I tell you something? It's not because He needs it. If all of us would stop praising Him, the Scriptures tell us that the rocks would cry out. If all of us would stop exalting Him, the angels are worshiping Him. Beings that that have three wings that cover their eyes and cover their feet, and, and as they speak, the doorposts of the temple shake. Beings that put us to shame are exalting Him. He he doesn't need us. But He's offered to us the most blessed experience, the most blessed person, and that's His own Son. That we would know Him face to face. And that we would enter into His presence. And in His goodness, He offers to you tonight eternal salvation and eternal victory 
through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And so I wonder tonight, would you praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men? Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness, the goodness of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee so much that Thou art a good God, that Thou art a patient God, Thou art gracious, Thou art loving, Thou art caring, Thou art faithful. There are so many things that Thou art to us. And we know this evening that there are people who are going through things and they need Thy goodness now. They need Thee to touch them. And they need Thee to love on them. They need Thee to reveal Thyself to them. Lord, and may we be used to exalt Thee in that, to praise Thee and to worship Thee. Lord, break us of ourselves. Break us us of our selfishness. We know that the reason we so often don't see Thy goodness is because we're too busy thinking ourselves to be good, thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. Lord, humble us. And let us say with John Baptist, He must increase. Let us exalt Thee, we pray in Jesus Christ's name.